Okay, guys, whenever you're ready. Are you ready already? You did it? Oh, well, that's going to be very smooth looking, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, everybody, <laughs> and welcome to <laughs> Vineyard Community Church. <laughs> All right, wait, he's going to edit it out, so I'm going to say hello again. Just put back on the screen that says Naturally Supernatural. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. Here, we're going to continue on today in a series we're doing called Naturally Supernatural. And uh, this is all about looking at Jesus as our model for life and ministry. We're, we're looking at encounters that he had throughout the Gospel of John. We're asking ourselves um, a lot of different questions. We're looking at the resource of uh, prayer and uh, the Word and the Holy Spirit. And we're reminding ourselves that um, in order to do what he did, which is part of being naturally supernatural, we have to think like he thought, see like he saw, love like he loved, and serve like he served. And so we're, we're looking in these encounters to see if we can see what, what's going on with that so that we can be a naturally supernatural people in the kingdom of God, fulfilling our mission of one more, one more lost child back to dad, and, and all that that um, holds in the process. So uh, I have a scripture reading today. This is out of John 5, where we're going to be, verses 1 through 6. This is out of the message paraphrase, and it says this, Soon another feast came around, and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool in Hebrew called Beth Bethesda with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, he said, Do you want to get well? Blessed be the word of the Lord. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, is this encounter that Jesus has with an invalid by the pool in Bethesda. Uh, just a quick note, um, in, uh, if you were reading that, there's a jump between verses 4 and 5, and there's nothing there under the fourth verse. I always like to mention those when they pop up. What that means is, is that in um, manuscripts that were, dis that were discovered later, but have an, uh, can be traced back to earlier in time, become more reliable manuscripts because they have an older dating. And um, in, in this process, here in this particular paraphrase, and in the NIV as well, um, they had older manuscripts to draw from when they were working on the Bible. Um, and so uh, you might have a verse 4 in your... Uh, in your Bible, which is fine, um, although it looks like it was added at a, to explain something else. So it was added. That's why it's not in the earliest ones. It was just something that one of the writers probably threw in to try and clarify something in verse 7 that talks about the water being stirred. The verse is this, verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, why you, you might question that is that um, that's, that's very superstitious and it doesn't back itself up anywhere else in Scripture that, that the angel, an angel would come and stir the water by this pool and these sick people would try and race down there and the first one in got healed. Um, it, it doesn't seem to me to portray the character of God because it, it actually is kind of cruel. 
um, in its process. And so uh, earlier manuscripts don't have that verse, um, but lots of Bible translations contain it. And, and the idea is that someone along the line was trying to clarify how the water got stirred. But they put in a sort of a traditional superstition that doesn't really stand uh, on its own in, in the rest of Scripture. So I, I just wanted to talk about that for a minute. Um, not that it makes a big bunch of difference with what we're doing, but uh, sometimes people will ask me if I don't address it, hey, there was, what happened to verse 4? Well, that's what happened to verse 4. And you can, you can go with however you want it, all right? It doesn't really make any difference in this particular situation. Um, people have been saying I haven't been giving them bad jokes, and it's just because I've found nothing but, I mean, even jokes that I don't want to share. And that's all I have tonight. I have one. What, what invention allows you to see through walls? Windows. I told you they were bad. So, but now I've done one, and we're, we're good. <laughs> okay. So, in this series, we've, um, we set it up, and then we looked at an encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus, who was a very religious person of high morals and yet needed to see himself as a sinner so that he would understand his need for grace. And Jesus dealt with him on that basis. Last week, we were looking at his encounter with a woman at the well who knew she was a sinner and needed to see herself as a person of value and worth, which is how Jesus encountered her, so that she could come to Christ, which she did. Well, this time we're, we're here at this uh, pool in Bethesda, and Jesus has an encounter with this man who's uh, been an invalid for uh, 38 years. So for, for a long time. I don't know if that's his entire life or, or whatever, but we just know that he's been an invalid for 38 years. And I want to look today at this encounter and see if we can learn, you know, what Jesus was thinking, what he saw, how he loved, how he served, and how we might apply it in our own lives and being naturally supernatural. And he asked this amazing question that we read there in the, in the beginning in verse 1. Uh, I mean, and, and your first point is this. Uh, the question is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And this is a, uh, there's a lot of depth to this question. And it's one that we need to consider. Um, John 5, 5 through 7, in the NIV this time, it says this. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And so it says Jesus saw this man, and we've been talking about seeing like he saw. So what did Jesus see when he looked at this man? First thing I want you to notice is that that Jesus noticed him. Um, and I think this is important because what we learn about this man very quickly is that he's all alone. And it, it appears that he's been alone for a long time. He's got no friends there. He's got no family there. No one to help him. Um, he's alone. And my guess is he's been alone for a very, very long time. And the reason it's important that Jesus noticed him is that um, it's very easy for us in the busyness of our lives to allow people who desperately need a touch from God to just kind of slip off into the scenery 
And, and why we might see them all the time, we don't ever take time to notice what their condition really is and how we might help. And, and so part of being naturally supernatural is, is having our eyes open to see like Jesus saw. And so I'm intrigued by the fact, first off, that there's a lot going on. It says there's a lot of sick people around there, a lot of things. Jesus centers in on this man. And it says that he found out, but it's probably supernaturally revealed to him, not like he went and asked questions, that this man had been like this for 38 years. And so Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? Now that might seem like a, same, uh, a silly question or a strange question. You know, he's, at least he's at the pool where maybe there's a shot superstitiously to get healed uh, or, or however you want to take those verses. Maybe there's something, at least he's there. But at the same time, is he, has he become so accustomed to life there and in his condition that he's sort of lost hope and really isn't trying to get well anymore. Do you, th you know, is it possible that um, sometimes we get stuck in situations and we get so used to them that even though we might say we want to get better, we really don't want to do much about getting better. Um, are, we, are we willing to do what it takes? Uh, or do we just wish things would get better but require very little change on our part? That's what, see, most of us would like that. You know, in, when we're struggling with issues, and, and, you know, we really don't want to be told, okay, there's going to be a lot of hard work in order to, to get better. We, we want someone, someone to fix it for us in a different way. You know, we want it easier. Um, uh, you, you may not notice, but, but I've been going to the gym solidly for the last year and a half. I don't like the gym. I go three times a week because I know <laughs> that it's good for me to go. But I wish there was a better way. No, not a better way. I wish there was an easier way. A way that required no effort, no pain, no sweat. Do you understand? Um, and in life, we face a lot of these kind of issues. There's a lot of things in life that we're, we're pretty much aware of that we should probably be dealing with, and yet... We, we're stuck because it works enough and, and we, we don't want to do, you know, anything major in order to make a change. And, and I think what Jesus is trying to find out from this guy is, are you willing to do what it takes? Are, are you willing to, to do whatever it takes to get better? Or do you just kind of, are you hoping to stumble into it and, and not have to make any changes? And, and the guy's response obviously makes Jesus believe enough that he's, he wants to because he says, look, I'm willing, but without anybody's help, I'm just not able. Now, I think that response is the beginning of his healing. Um, and, and for this reason, it's a response, if you look into it, of humility. What he's saying is, I can't do it in my own, I need help. And all of us have to get there in our own lives. I can't do this in my own strength. I need help. I need his strength. And I will need the support of other people in order to continue to get healthy. And we've said this over and over again. That's humility. Humility is the start of everything that matters, including being made whole and well in life. But, but it's an important question. Jesus asked him, are you, really, are you willing to change? 
That's humility. Now, the second point in your notes is this. Jesus says, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat and walk. Here's the thing. Let me read you the verse. John 5, 8, and 9. Then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Jesus told him, an invalid, to get up and walk, and he did it. Now, if he wasn't willing to change, he could have not. But he chose to get up and walk in the process. This is a demonstration of the love of Jesus moving into his life in a supernatural way by speaking into him a healing word, which he chose to follow and which changed his life. So, so Jesus loves him by giving him supernatural direction, which he chooses to follow, and he is made well. Choosing to follow the supernatural direction of Jesus is the way for wholeness for all of us. See, that's how it works. In this case, it was a dramatic physical healing. Um, it demonstrated, among other things, points that Jesus was trying to make that Messiah had indeed come because there's Old Testament verses that talk about the lame leaping like deer when Messiah would come. And, and here's this man gets up and walks. Think about someone who uh, hadn't been able to walk for years, the atrophying of the muscles and everything that would take place and apparently it was all done at that moment of uh, interaction between this guy and Jesus. But this guy was willing, and he responded to the process. Now, in, in looking at this, in, in taking it at, at, at lots of different encounters, and, 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 and broadening it, see, we're all called to follow the supernatural direction of Jesus. And we, we've been talking about that for a long time here. I've, I've given it a name. You're going to know it as soon as I say it. Third point, it's living by doing the next right thing. See, this is responding then to the supernatural direction of Jesus, which he gives us in his word, which he gives us as we pray, which he, which he gives us uh, by the Spirit of God as we follow him. He is always giving us supernatural direction, which we are, um, are to choose to follow. And uh, John 5, 14 Jesus catches up with the guy. This is the message paraphrase later on. It says, a little later, Jesus found him in the temple and said, you look wonderful, you're well. Don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen. Jesus um, goes to this man and what he's saying to him in, in this process um, is, is this. See, what's Jesus thinking when he says that kind of stuff? I, I believe what he's saying to this man is, listen, um, your physical healing is wonderful, you look great, but I'm more concerned about your soul. Because if you're not in relationship, connected with God in relationship, the end doesn't look good. Something much worse is around the corner than what you were experiencing. On the, on the positive side, he's saying that if you continue to follow in your life my supernatural direction, you will find that life from here on will be so much better than anything you experienced before. It'll even be better than the moment of your physical healing if you choose to follow me. See, and I believe that's, 
that's what we do when we're trying to do the next right thing. None of us is perfect, but we have um, God-given supernatural direction in our lives, which is to try and do, which is to do the next right thing. Um, it's, it's the will of God for our lives, that we're always trying to walk into it. None of us is perfect yet. We miss it. We, we get off track. We get selfish. We, we do all sorts of things. But we have to be in that process of understanding, okay, I've, I've gotten off track. God, will you forgive me? Which he does. And then he loves us and says, now get back on track and I'll lead you by my spirit. And so um, his, his advice to us is, is I think, what, what we're looking at in, in this idea of living by doing the next right thing. And as we do, that's where life is found. That's where wholeness is found. That's where healing is found. So see, it's a, it's a willingness on our part, in humility, a willingness to follow Jesus, to do what he says, even if we may have to do some things that aren't easy sometimes, or don't just fix it. And we've got to do some hard stuff along the way. But because he said it's the way... That's what we're going to try and do to the best of our ability. See, that's the process of this walk, of what we're doing. And so we're, we see how he saw the man, and we see how he loved the man by his interaction, and, and we see how he's thinking about what's really more important uh, in people is that they connect with God forever. See, that's the most important thing. See, if the guy connected with... Look, if he just got healed and didn't connect with God, so what? It's very temporary, I promise you. <laughs> but if he connects with God, then, then his healing is, is, is in his soul, and, and the physical stuff is great, but it's better if, you're, if your soul is healed and connected to God, because that lasts forever. That's a forever healing. So, so this is the concept of, of how he's moving in people's lives. Now, as he does this, wildly enough, as Jesus goes around loving people, praying for people, blessing people, encouraging people, he doesn't care what day it is. He just doesn't care what day it is. He sees God at work, and he's at work. And this, this amazing healing of this man who had been an invalid for 38 years, everybody saw what happened. The established religious people of the day didn't rejoice in the miracle of God they didn't rejoice in what this man had just experienced after all those years. What they did was begin to persecute Jesus because he'd done it on a Sabbath. Now, see, John 5, 16 and 17. Well, the fourth point is this, that the Sabbath was made for man. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. The Sabbath was made for man. John 5, 16 and 17. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. So Jesus comes under fire because of the way that He ministered to this man, the way that He served this man on the Sabbath. But, but see, what you need to see is what He saw was a need, and He was willing to serve. We've talked about that. To serve like He did, we've got to be willing. And that um, it was a Sabbath. Um, I said last week, we've got to be willing even if we're busy and something pops up. Um, he, he, he was like, well, they've got the, their understanding of the Sabbath is wrong anyway, and here's a man that needs healing, and God wants to heal him, and so I'm in. And so he, he, he ministers to him, and, and we see this healing and, and his discussion with him that follows. So the, the established religious community had so lost the concept of God's mercy and grace 
which we talk about here all the time, are displayed by radical generosity and radical hospitality um, and, and a willingness to, to serve others, that rather than being able to see that what Jesus was doing was a God thing, they persecuted him for it because he wasn't following the rules that they established for that day. They had established. Not that God had established. God says to keep a Sabbath and keep it holy, but, but it wasn't about what they had made it. They had taken a commandment and they had um, morphed into it hundreds of laws that no one could keep. And God's idea for the Sabbath was that, that he created a day for us to rest, re recreate, and reconnect with him. To me, that's what the Sabbath is all about. And we need one in our lives. Um, we live in a culture now where it's easy to dismiss that and we just stay busy all the time. And the thing is, if you just work all the time without taking a Sabbath, at some level you're saying, I really don't trust you to deal with the six days that I'm, uh, it's allowed for me to work, so I need to keep pressing through on the seventh. But we need a day that he knows us, he created us, where, where we rest, recreate, and reconnect with God. See, I believe that's the, the, the Sabbath was made for man. It's a day when we reconnect with God, but oftentimes we do that by resting and by recreating. And so there should be a day for that every week. That's, that's, a, that's, a, God, that's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, if you, that's cool. That we have a God who cares about us enough that he wants us to take at least one day a week to rest, recreate, and reconnect with and so that's the process. So um, if, if we're on that day, um, whatever day it is, and, and it, it doesn't really matter what the rules and regulations are, what matters is if God's in it and he wants us to, to serve someone, then, then that's the, what we do. We serve. Now, he wasn't breaking, uh, you know, he was, he was doing what God needed him to do. What had happened to the established community is they had replaced grace and mercy with rules and regulations, traditions. We have to be very careful that we don't make the same substitution because it's, it's what we tend to do. Um, it's, it's just easier to have rules and regulations. So that's why they happen. It's just easier. If you tell, okay, tell me what I need to do, I'll do that. Don't make me hang out with God to figure out what he wants me to do. Just tell me what I can do, what I can't do, and there we go. But we lose, we lose love. We lose grace. We lose mercy. We lose connection. We lose impact. We we don't make a difference on the world anymore. Mark 2.27, uh, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so our service for God, to serve like Jesus did, it's, it's, it's not best displayed by following rules and regulations, religious rules and regulations. Don't, don't hear me wrong. We're not supposed to be out there uh, <laughs> breaking the law. But, but what we're supposed to be doing is um, demonstrating the love of God to others. And so when we see people that are hurting, and I hope that we see them like Jesus. See, Jesus had a way of seeing them when everybody else would just not see them. Jesus would see them. Um, we need to do whatever we can to help them. Uh, it might be praying for them to be healed physically. And I believe that God's in the healing business and that he, he moves and he acts on, on those prayers. Um, it, it might be praying for them to, to, to be... Uh, uh, you know, made whole uh, spiritually or uh, to be made whole in other ways. Uh, to, uh, it might be about connecting with someone that's very lonely or something uh, in order that, that uh, they can realize that they're not alone. It, it might be loving them right where they're at uh, so that over time we can encourage them to respond to the supernatural direction of Jesus. See, this is the idea of the new, naturally supernatural life that Jesus is modeling for us. And it's the one that we're to embrace and to follow and to move along. And so I hope that as you look at these encounters, you get something out of uh, the, the life 
that Jesus is modeling for us, the ministry that Jesus is modeling for us, and that, that he empowers us by his spirit as one of our resources to get out there and do the things that he did. And, and when he demonstrates, hey, if he, you know, when the Lord kicks in and says, you need to go heal, for, pray for someone, go. If he says you need to go encourage someone, go. And even if you may be not hearing exactly, you know, see what you can do. Check in. Because that's what we're called to in a naturally supernatural life. Next, next week, we're going to look at uh, John chapter 6, and we're going to talk about how to make fish sandwiches for thousands. So that's that. If you're watching on video or on TV, God bless you. If you need anything, you can call us, write us, email us. We'll do whatever we can for you. And uh, we hope to see you uh, next week.